Did you bring your Bible? Raise your Bibles if you have a Bible this morning. This is a Bible church, isn't it? Look at that. That's wonderful to see you with the Word of God. We're going to spend time in the Word today, and so it's good to have you here with your Bibles. I just wanted to read something to begin. Do any of you remember who a fellow by the name of Ark Linkletter was? Raise your hand if you remember Ark Linkletter. On his television program years ago, Ark Linkletter encountered a six-year-old little boy with an extremely positive attitude. Ark asked the little boy, do you know why you were selected to be on my program? The little boy quite confidently uh, said, because I'm the smartest boy in my class. Art asked, oh, how did you know that? Did your teacher tell you? No, he replied, I just noticed it myself. <laughs> so nothing wrong with his attitude, was there, huh? <laughs> I want you to turn this morning, if you will, to the book of First Chronicles, not First Corinthians, but First Chronicles. And just go to chapter 4 and just hold your Bibles open there. While you're going there, let me ask you a question. How many of you know the meaning of your name? Raise your hand if you know the meaning of your name. Not too many. Fred, which is my name, means one of peace. Priscilla means of ancient birth. And I decided I would give you a little quiz to see how well you know Bible names. So if you know it, just speak it out, okay? What does the word or the name Isaac mean? Laughter. How about Jesus? Savior. Moses. Moses, have you been reading your Bibles? <laughs> Drawn out. Paul, what does the name Paul mean? Small. How about Esau? Esau. Harry, remember he they put all of the, she put all of the things on his arms so that father wouldn't know. You'll know this one. Emmanuel, God with us. How about Satan? What does the word Satan mean, the name Satan? Adversary and appointment, an opponent. Jacob, you know Jacob. Priscilla? Deceiver, that's right. Christ, anointed one. The devil, false accuser and slander, and Peter was, his name meant what? Good for you, you got that last one, <laughs> the rock, that's right. Well, I kind of stumped you a little bit on those, didn't I? I'm sorry. <laughs> they maybe were, were tougher than they should have been. In the book of First Chronicles, Chapter 4, we have our message today. 
The Bible character I chose here to study with you this morning had what, what I call a lousy name. And it was a lousy name. Look with me at chapter 4, verses 9 through 10 in your Bible. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Let's look to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father, we thank you this morning for your word. What would we do without your word, Lord? We love your law. We thank you for it. We pray your blessing, God, as we study this passage. Thank you, Father, for Jabez, for the example that he was. Lord, help us to learn from him today, we pray in the precious name of your son. Amen. If you would read the rest of, of chapter 4, or the whole of chapter 4, you'd find that there are almost 200 names in this passage, and that's why, or in this, in this chapter, and that's why I call this passage a gem among the genealogy. It could also be called an oasis in the desert, because as you're reading through all of these names, one after another, and a lot of them hard to understand and pronounce, all of a sudden, you come across this story of Jabez, and it is so refreshing to see here is a man who, though he had this lousy name, he, he did well, and we're going to see that. Let's look first of all, and you have, by the, no, by the way, notes in your bulletin, so follow me through the, your notes, okay? Verse 9, we notice the person of Jabez. And we notice, first of all, his honor. Now, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. The word honorable here means he was a man of respect, esteem, and integrity. God expects us as his people to be people of honor and respect and integrity. In Micah 6.8, he says, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And God longs, longs for that in our lives. You see, his children are to be different. We're to be different. We're to be set aside. We're to be sanctified. The word in, in Scripture means to be set apart from the world. And people today need to see someone who's different, someone who has integrity, someone who has honor to them. And God calls us to that. He, he says in Scripture, Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am what? Am holy. And so he calls us to, to holiness of life and to integrity. Let me read a little something that I brought with me. I love this story. Integrity means having the courage of your convictions. This includes the capacity to cling to what you think is right, 
To go it alone when necessary. Sometimes God calls us to walk alone, doesn't he? Joseph is a, is a picture of integrity. To go it alone if you have to. And to speak out against what you know is wrong. Is there plenty wrong in our world today? There is a lot, isn't there? In the operating room of a great hospital, a young nurse had her first day of full responsibility. You've removed 11 sponges, doctor, she said to the surgeon. We used 12. I've removed them all, the doctor declared. We'll close the incision now. No, the nurse objected. We used 12. I'll take responsibility, the surgeon said grimly. Suture. You can't do that, blazed the nurse. Think of the patient. The doctor smiled, lifted his foot, showed the nurse the 12th sponge. You'll do, he said. He had been testing her for integrity, and she had it. When God tests us for integrity, do we have it? I trust that we do. God wants us to be per people of integrity. And Jabez, you know, this is awesome to hear this. I, I would love to hear this said about me. He was more honorable than his brothers. We want to be people of honor. And then you notice his, his handicap right below it in the passage. And it says, And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. His name was, was not the best name that you'd put on a, on a child. Because the name means he will cause pain. Jabez. He, he will cause pain. She said, I bore him in pain. What, what do you think happened? Probably had a, a painful delivery, a long delivery. And so she named him Jabez. Well, every one of us, he had a handicap, but every one of us has, have a handicap. We're born with a handicap. And that handicap is we're all sinners by birth. And we live in a sinful, fallen world. And folks, you know, I kind of had the idea that, you know, when I get a little older and I get to a point, you know, the, the struggles and the temptations would kind of go away and I could kind of relax a little bit. Is that true? Yes or no? Not at all. We're living, we have a handicap. Not only that, and I, I've been thinking about this recently. Why did God not eradicate the old nature when he saved us? You know, it's interesting. I just, I've been reading in the book of, uh, in the, the first uh, five books of the Bible, and especially in the book of Deuteronomy, God said this through Moses. He said, I'm going to leave these wicked, evil Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, and Anamites in the land so that it will test you to see whether you will obey me or not. And you know what God has left in us? The old sinful, I don't know if you call it the old sinful nature, but we have, we are prone. Even the, the, the songwriter caught it when he said this, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. 
seal it to your courts above. Do you find yourself battling the flesh all the time? The Bible says in Galatians, the flesh and the spirit are constantly warring with one another so that we cannot do the things that we would in our own strength. And it causes us to really cry out to the Lord. We have a handicap, but you know, that's okay. It doesn't matter. Jabez refused, however, to let his lousy name ruin his life. Someone has said this, there are a thousand excuses for failure, but not one single reason. Did you hear that? There are a thousand excuses for failure, but not a single reason. I remember Rich DeVos. He has the same name as mine. Do, you, do any of you know who Rich DeVos is? Any of you ever heard of Amway Corporation? Sure you did. Rich DeVos was the one who started, and Rich DeVos and Jay Van Andel started Amway. And I'm related to Rich DeVos, and that's my claim to fame. <laughs> anyway, Rich DeVos went to the Olympics, and he was telling a story about a young man who ran the mile. In those days, it was a mile. Today, it's the 1,500 meters. And the most dangerous time, I used to run, run track, and I know what it means to get spiked. I got spiked in Spiegelberg Stadium when I was a senior. And they started the race, and that's the most dangerous time for long-distance runners because they're jockeying for position. And this young man was spiked, and he was knocked down, and he hit his head on, on the concrete siding of the track. And he was stunned, and he lay there for a moment, and all of a sudden, he realized what was happening. He got up, and by that time, the others were from here to the outside door of this church ahead of him. He started running. At the end of the first lap, he was catching up to the stragglers. At the end of the of this second lap, he was beginning to move up in the, in the pack. The third lap, he was about halfway catching up to, the, to the, the front runners. As he came into that last lap and he started down the, 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 the straightaway, he began to pick them off one by one by one. The, stand, the people in the stands came to their feet. They were crying out and, and clapping and shouting. And, and as they came down the, fa the last stretch, one by one, he was picking them off and just as he hit the tape, guess what? He won the race. The people couldn't, they could hardly believe what they, what they saw. But here was a man with a handicap, a terrible handicap, but he didn't let the handicap overcome him. He went on to win. And you know what? We have handicaps. We go through times, maybe times when you fall into sin, maybe times when when you do something that displeases the Lord or you go through a, a slump, but folks, come out of it. We need to come out of it and we need to press on to victory because God gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't want to be losers. We want to be victors in Christ. Amen? And we can. God can give us the grace to do that just like Jabez did. It's interesting this, that he... Uh, was willing and able to, to think positively and to go on beyond his, his name and move into victory. And we can do the same. 
And then look at verse 10. In verse 10, we have what I call the A part, the position, or petitions of Jabez. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. Jabez here, uh, you see, first of all, his recourse. I, I love this. His recourse, Jabez called upon the God of Israel. You know, when we go through heavy times, and we go through uh, times where we're, we're really struggling, a lot of times we'll end up going to someone else. We'll end up maybe doing reading, some, trying to read something, trying to, to fight our way through. But God wants to be the first recourse in our life, that we go to him, just like Jabez does. does. I remember a couple years ago at uh, Thanksgiving time, uh, one of the, something happened that is very, was a very interesting to me. We always make uh, orange and cranberry relish. We put it together, grind it, grind them up, the cranberries, frozen cranberries, we grind them up, put them, grind up the, the orange, put it together, oranges, and put them together and make a relish. And it's delicious. I love it. We have to use a little sugar, but that's okay. But after it was over, after the meal was over, I was helping to clean up, and, and the grinder, the hand grinder that we used, the nut that holds the cutter and the, the auger together was missing. And I looked all over the kitchen. I looked everywhere I could find, you know, in the kitchen where it might be, and it was missing, and it was no good without that nut. It, we needed that. And so I, I told Priscilla, <clears throat> I'm going to have to go through the garbage. So I took the garbage can, dumped it out on the sidewalk, there by the house, and meticulously went through the whole garbage can, and guess what? No nut. <laughs> I put all the garbage back into the can, went into the house, <clears throat> walked up to the office where Priscilla was, and I said, honey, I can't find that thing anywhere. She looked at me and she said, have you prayed about it? And I said, no, I really haven't. And I tell you the truth, I walked downstairs. Our, our kitchen is here, and the dining rooms, is, they're kind of joined. I, I stood right here near the dining room, looking into the kitchen, and I said, Lord, would you please help me to find that nut? And you know what? God, he didn't speak here, but he spoke here. I walked straight over to where this the this. Uh, faucet goes into the sink and look behind that where I he had never even thought of looking and guess what was behind there it was the nut and you know I just thought oh Lord so many times we wrestle with problems we go through all kinds of problems and we should go to you first you should be our first resolve and many times we don't do that but God says will you Will you come to me? 
and will you seek me? Just like Jabez here, he called on the God of Israel. And then notice here, not only his recourse, but his resolve. The next word, and Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, oh, here is his resolve. I think it's the most important word in, in this, this whole section. Oh, listen to this. I love this little saying. Not the petition of our lips, but the passion of our hearts moves God. Not the petition of our lips, <clears throat> but the passion <clears throat> excuse me, of our hearts moves God. <clears throat> Jeremiah 29, 13. You shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me <clears throat> with all your heart. <clears throat> I'm sorry, excuse me. With all your heart, it's okay, honey. You shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. James chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You've heard this little saying, faint heart never won fair lady. Have you ever heard that before? And the squeaky wheel gets the what? Gets the grease. That's right. God dislikes lukewarmness. He wants us in, in Revelation chapter 3. He says, I would rather have you cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will what? I will spew you out of my mouth. God wants us to be passionate. And I'm praying more in my life. God, give me a passion. A passion for you. A passion for souls. A passion that, that can cause me not to be fearful when, I, when people need to hear about the gospel. And you know, that's, that's one of the things that, that we really need to work on as, as Christian people. The fear of man brings a snare, doesn't it? And we need to have passion that leads us past that fear to share the gospel with others. Oh, some misguided folks think that this was a self-centered, selfish prayer. I don't believe it was. God wants us to ask largely and boldly. James says, you have not. Why? Because you ask not. And John 14, verse 14 says, If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Romans 8, 32, He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God wants to be a, a great giver. In fact, he is a giver. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The story of the prodigal son is a, the father in that story is a picture of God. And here's, here comes his son who has wasted his substance in the far country. And the father doesn't reprove him. The father doesn't, doesn't ask him, what did you do with my money, son? He saw his brokenness. And when he came home, what did the father do? First he kissed him. Then he put a robe on his back, shoes on his feet, a ring on his hand. And a, a fatted calf. Why? Because God loves to give. And you know, 
we shouldn't be afraid or ashamed of asking God, seeking him and say, God, I need this need met. Will you do it? God loves to do that. I love this little, little saying. Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions with thee bring, for his power and grace are such. None can ever ask too much. God loves to have us ask him and to seek him and to have him meet our needs. Have you ever seen God meet your needs? I'm sure you have. And it's wonderful to see him do that. Notice his requests now. There are five requests in this passage. The first one, in verse 10, he said, that you would bless me indeed. Some of God's blessings are unconditional, but many are conditional. For instance, Isaiah 119 says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. In other words, you get in on the blessing. Willing and obedient. God calls for willing and obedience. He's not a grandfather in this indulgent grandfather in the sky who just gives indiscriminately. God doesn't do that. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And so God's blessing is for those here who are separated from the world and saturated with the word. That's the condition of the blessing here. In Matthew chapter 5, you have the Beatitudes, and God says, blessed are the pure in heart, the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, the merciful. We qualify for God's blessing, and God just doesn't give them indiscriminately to us folks God wants us to meet those needs or meet those qualifications and then secondly he says here in his prayer and enlarge my territory I don't I I think he wanted more than just land holdings here the intent of his prayer here I believe was Lord don't let me be small narrow self-serving a selfish, self-centered person. I like this little saying, a man wrapped up in himself is a mighty small package, right? A man wrapped up in himself is a mighty small package. Lord, help us to be people who are broken and contrite heart. Save us from ourselves. Mr. Maxwell, who is our, was our principal used to say this up in Prairie, where we graduated from. Oh, to be saved from myself, dear Lord. Oh, that it may not... Oh, to be saved from myself, dear Lord. Oh, to be lost ah, in Thee. Oh, that it be, may be no more I, but Christ who dwells in me. And you know what? It's so easy to be wrapped up in ourselves. And I believe Jabez here said, I don't want to be a small person. I want to be large. I want to have a blessing, be a blessing. I want to have an input 
and an impact on other lives. And then number three, he said this, that your hand would be with me. He was aware of his need for God's direction in his life daily. It is not in man who walks to direct his steps. Folks, we don't have what it takes to live this Christian life by ourselves, do we? God needs to live his life in and through us. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Jesus said, without me you can do what? Nothing. I love this little little writing, and you probably have heard it before. It's called The Secret. I met God in the morning when the day was at its best, and his presence came like sunrise, like a glory within my breast. All day long his presence lingered. All day long he stayed with me, and we sailed in perfect calmness o'er a very troubled sea. Other ships were blown and battered, other ships were sore distressed, but the winds that seemed to drive them brought to us a peace and rest. So I think I found the secret learned from many a troubled way. You must meet God in the morning if you want him through the day. Is that true? It is, isn't it? You know, when, when did the manna come for the children of Israel? When was it? ready for them to you to get manna in the morning and i believe you know it's not possible maybe for some people to have a quiet time in the morning but the secret one of the secrets of my life i've been a christian now since i was about 13 years of age one of the secrets of my life was when i learned to feed myself from the word of god and I believe that that is the secret of my walking with the Lord for all these years. I learned that it wasn't enough to be fed by the pastor. I had to begin to feed myself from the Word of God. And the Word of God, the more you read it, the more you want to read it. And it just becomes more precious. And if, I, if you don't hear anything that I've said today apart from this, be people of the Word. Because the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it has a way of getting into our lives to transform our lives, to change us. The Bible says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Transformed by the word of God. That's what God does through his word. And I believe that that's something that maybe that Jabez was wanting when he says, said, oh, that you would keep me or that your hand would be upon me. And then number four, he says that you would keep me from evil. The word evil here means adversity, calamity, affliction. He was aware of God's need for protection. About this time last year, I was turning left to go get some wood on, talent, or on 99 in Talent. And you remember before they did the work, there were two, ro two uh, lanes this way, two lanes going north. I was in the fast lane going north, trying to turn, but people were coming, and I couldn't turn. I looked in my mirror, and here came a gal 45 miles an hour, didn't even see me, and hit me behind 45 miles an hour. Total her car, total my pickup. 
And you know, out of that, I learned two things. Number one, God's protection. He protected me. I, I came out with a scratch, out of scratch, and so did she. But I also learned another thing, and that is that nothing that we have is our own. God can take things away from us if he wants just like that. And I, I believe that was a lesson that, that really helped me to understand a little more fully that everything in life, my wife, my family, our home, my health, everything can be taken in a moment's time. And it should be presented to God. At that point of time, I, I did a new, started a new exercise in my life, and that is every morning now, I get up, and I, not the first thing. I have my devotions the first thing, but late, a little earlier, later in the morning, I get on my knees, and I just say, Lord, it's all yours. I just hand over everything to him. And I'm thankful for that accident because it taught me a, a new thing to just every day commit everything to God. It is so vital. And then number five, he said this, and that I may not cause pain. Jabez didn't want to live up to his lousy name. Every day we choose to either cause pain or pleasure to others and to God most of all. Do you know what? Sin, when we sin, our sin is primarily against God. Joseph knew this. Joseph, when he was confronted by Potiphar's wife, he said, how can I do this great sin against my God and basically displease him? Sin is primarily against God, but then it's primarily against others, and it does cause pain. And pain can, can uh, go through a whole family by one act of one person. And Jabez says, I don't want to cause pain, Lord. I want to be a blessing and not a curse, a joy and not a pain. And then look at the last thought, number three, verse 10b. So God granted him that which he requested. God was pleased with his prayer. Let me ask you this question. What are you asking God for? Are you asking God for something special right now? You know, I think we should. I think we should be praying for our loved ones. My wife and I are praying for, especially for our grandchildren. If you're here this morning, you have any grandchildren or children who are, are uh, walking afar off, would you raise your hand? Or some loved one that you know that, that is walking afar off, not following the Lord, yes. Probably every one of us. You know, pray for them. Get on your knees before God and say, God, I want to see this person's life changed. And we just need, as Jabez, we need to, to come before him and pray and seek his face and watch God work. He wants to work, just like he did in Jabez's life. He, want life. he wants to work in our lives, too. Prayer moves the hand of God. God loves to answer prayer. And the older I get, the more I realize that without him, I can do nothing. And that prayer is a power that God uses 
to move things on this earth and move people's lives. So my challenge to you this morning is to be people of prayer, to be people of honor. Seek God with your whole heart, and God will bless you for it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, shall we? Father, thank you for Jabez, for the life of this man. Lord, we don't know a whole lot about him, but we know that he was honorable and he was a man of prayer. And God, we thank you that we too can be honorable people and we can be people who pray and seek your face and that we, Lord, can see you work in our lives and the lives of others as we are people of prayer. We ask you for this in Jesus' name, amen.